0: two days, this is what a federal complaint looks like. And this is that case, that Irving Plaza shooting that happened last May with the rapper Troy Ave. Now, Troy Ave is free on half a million dollars bail. He was charged with gun possession. He's the one that you all saw in that video that NYPD put out and that we put out of running through the club with the gun out shooting or looking like he was shooting. Um, that's Troy app So, he was charged with weapons possession. He was also charged with attempted murder. Now, come to find out, the feds on yesterday, on Monday, they, oh wait, today's Tuesday, yeah. Um, on Monday, they, I still don't have my whole schedule, uh, you know, back intact yet. But, um, on Monday... A hip-hop podcast personality named Tack Stone. His real name is Daryl Campbell. He was picked up at at his aunt's home on Alabama Avenue in East New York and and this was on two gun charges. One gun charge, one of the charges was gun possession for a um, convicted felon because if you're a convicted felon you're not allowed to have a handgun. Um, The second second charge was interstate trafficking with the gun because the gun was uh, came from Florida, which was probably stolen at some point along the way. So he was in federal court today, 500 Pearl Street. and the prosecutor in, in this complaint, talked about some things that I found very surprising. He said that the prosecutors are saying that Taxstone, aka Daryl Campbell, that this 9 millimeter semi-automatic uh, kel handgun that was used in the shooting that killed uh, Troyev's bodyguard, Ronald Banga McFadda, that that handgun, and also wounded Troyev and two other people, that that handgun was actually in the possession of... Daryl Campbell, A.K.A. Taxstone. So, what does that mean? It means that, according to what the prosecutors say, they're saying Taxstone had the gun that he shot Troyev as he was shooting Troy, aiming at Troyev. Ave. Troyev's bodyguard, Ronald McFatter, tried to jump in and stop him. That's when he ended up getting shot in the chest and died from that wound. Then there were a couple other shots, one hit a, a woman that was there and another went through the floor and hit somebody in the floor below. And then there was a scuffle over the gun, Troyev takes the gun, Daryl Campbell aka Tackstone's gun, takes that gun and then that's where we see the video that um, so many of us saw, you know that NYPD released where he's running and he's, he's holding out that gun and, the, and then he's running. So what the feds are saying is that eight months later, that this gun that ended up in Troyav's car, because Troyav left the club and then went to his his car, and the the gun was found in the car by police, according to what they're telling us, that this gun belonged to Taxstone. So the question you might ask yourself is, if this is the case, why wasn't Taxstone <laughs> arrested for the murder? Or Why wasn't he hit with some kind of attempted murder charges? What they, which is what they usually do when there's a case of a shooting and um, you know it, it's it's with a deadly, of course, a deadly weapon like a gun. So those those are some of the questions. But here's what came out in court, which I thought was interesting. The prosecutor, um, assistant assistant district attorney for the uh, feds, for federal federal prosecutors. He said that the reason for this long delay, eight months since the incident happened, was because so few people were talking. So that was incredible. That was one thing. Then the other thing that he said was that in the past two months, somebody started to talk. So it seems like they either pick somebody up, um, who, you know, they either pick somebody up who, um. You know, wanted to bargain with them or get a reduced charge or something like that, and that's what happened. And and then the, in terms of the ballistics, this was the interesting thing too, and I wanted to explain this because there were a lot of people having comments on um, asking asking me about this. How was the gun in the Irving Plaza shooting, which Troy Avenue allegedly had in his possession in his car? How does that end up being the gun of Tack Stone, a.k.a. Daryl Campbell? So what happened is, according to the federal prosecutors, Tack Stone shoots the, his gun at Troyev. Troyev's bodyguard, who ends up being killed, tries to wrestle the gun away. There is a scuffle, Troyev is shot, and then the gun, Troyev picks up the gun and then runs out of that green room and runs out of the club and takes that gun into his car. So that's the narrative that the federal-
1: Healthcare providers are under increased scrutiny here in the state of Nevada, particularly in Las Vegas, after the prosecution of Dr. Say, who was using cost cutting measures that led to uh, hepatitis being spread in his office. On Monday, the jury in the hepatitis C outbreak trial returned a verdict against Dr. Depak Desai a nurse and nurse anesthetist
2: Ronald Lakeman. Desai was found guilty on all counts,
1: including second degree murder, and Lakeman was found guilty on 16 counts related to the outbreak So it's reasonable to say that health care providers can expect additional scrutiny in their office because there's a lot of public outcry with regard to uh, news that's come out of the healthcare industry here in Clark County. NRS Section 422 defines healthcare fraud and healthcare fraud can encompass many things such as taking kickbacks from patients to prescribe medication or taking kickbacks to refer to certain doctors. It can also include billing patients for procedures that were unnecessary or procedures that were never actually provided by the physician. Uh, Healthcare fraud can also uh, include charging excessive fees for for procedures. Uh, Again, based on events that have occurred in the community, Law enforcement agents are much more aggressive now in scrutinizing the actions both of doctors and uh, other personnel in medical care offices. Here at the Las Vegas Defense Group, we represent a wide variety of people who may get caught up in a healthcare fraud investigation, including doctors, office personnel, and even patients there are so many different people that may work in the office of a medical care provider. If you're under investigation, it could be that you have no knowledge of practices that are going on uh, at the hands of others in your office. It could be that people in your office may be doing billing that you have no awareness that in fact there's some false billing going on. So the earlier, that our law office gets involved in the process, the greater chance that we have of preventing suspicion from turning into prosecution. A category E felony in Nevada would include possession of narcotics, a second time charge for peeping, solicitation of a minor for prostitution, or recruitment into a criminal gang. Most category E felonies would result initially in a sentence of probation, but uh, they could also result in a prison sentence of up to four years in the state prison. For record seal on a category E felony, you are eligible to seek a record seal seven years after completion of your sentence. It's not uncommon at these types of festivals like Burning Man and the Electric Daisy Carnival that in order to get narcotics into the venue that one person in a large group will volunteer to carry substances that are gonna be used by everybody. So you've got like a fall guy situation where maybe an individual is bringing in drugs that they're intending only to be for personal use, but because they have a certain quantity, it may look to law enforcement like they're possessing narcotics to sale. When in fact, they're merely being the one that stood up and said, I'll bring these items into the venue. So ultimately, prosecutors are certainly aware of what's going down at these festivals. As a matter of fact, Prosecutors were young once too and like to have a good time. If you've been arrested at EDC or Burning Man, the chances are you've probably never been arrested before. And you probably think, oh my God, my life and my future are going to be destroyed. That's simply not true. Call us at 702-DEFENSE. In most situations, these cases can be resolved in a way that will ensure that you don't have to pay a lifetime consequence because you just wanted to come to Nevada to have a good time. In most criminal cases, what worries our clients the most is the possibility of going to jail or having a felony on their record. But in sex offense cases, there's an additional element of punishment, which is often far worse than the risk of going to jail or prison or have a felony conviction. And that is having to register as a sex offender. NRS 179D sets forth the Nevada Sexual Offender Registry System under Megan's Law. And basically what their registration system does is it requires anyone who's convicted of a sex offense in the state of Nevada to register as a sex offender within 48 hours of their release from custody. Offenders are also required to update their biographical information annually, including residence, telephone number, and place of work.
0: Engaging in solicitation or prostitution is a misdemeanor offense and punishable up to six months in Washoe County Jail and or a fine of $1,000. If you are charged with a solicitation in Northern Nevada, the effects can be devastating. The local newspaper prints your mugshot and also your name on their website and also in their public print. We here at the Las Vegas Defense Group fight very hard to keep that out of the newspapers, stopping that potential embarrassment of having your family, your friends, your neighbors, your boss, your colleagues, see your picture and name in the newspaper with the charge and accusation of solicitation.
1: Here in the state of Nevada, automobile insurance fraud is prosecuted by the Attorney General's Office and it can encompass a wide array of conduct designated under NRS 686A. Automobile insurance fraud could involve falsely claiming that your car was stolen when it was really just abandoned. It could involve claiming that you were injured in an automobile accident when in fact you were not. It could involve claiming that items were stolen from your vehicle when in fact they were not. We also see a lot of cases where someone may be charged with insurance fraud in relation to an arson where a car is found, it was set on fire, And it's later alleged that the person who made the claim was actually the person that set the car aflame or had somebody else do it. The penalties for automobile insurance fraud can include state prison. With the difficult times being faced by many people here in Las Vegas uh, due to the economic circumstances, it could be that someone bit off more than than they could chew got a car that was more expensive than what they could afford. They lost their job. They can't make the note. They're worried about how this is going to affect their credit. And so it seems like a rather simple solution. Hey, if my car is stolen, my problem goes away. Uh, And in in terms of how these cases have been investigated by by the attorney general's office can be very difficult For the state to prove actual fraud oftentimes in terms of negotiations if the party is willing to sit to pay some form of restitution these cases can be dismissed or in fact never filed at all if you've filed an automobile insurance claim and suddenly you have private investigators from the insurance company calling you repeatedly or knocking at your door or law enforcement agents contacting you about your claim don't talk to them call us here at the las vegas defense group and we'll help you navigate through this process with the objective to avoid any charges being filed at all he was in and they tell me
3: that they're going to check on it to see Mm -hmm. and try to see if they see the car. all right long story short I said I wasn't I was still scared that I was gonna get the car back, so I got in the car, Dion's like, let's go. Dion's no, we took an Uber. Mm-hmm. We didn't have no car. Right. After, we took an Uber. We're in an Uber truck. We're both in the we're both in the back seat and we're tracking a car. I said, yo, call OnStar to tell them to shut the car off. I forgot we got an OnStar on there. Mm-hmm. Right? We call OnStar, they say, Yeah, we can't shut the car off while it's moving. I said Makes sense. Makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but what happens if the car stops? Can you shut off? You said we still can't shut off because we need a police report. Hey, what? You need a police report first before we can shut the car off? And after he explained to me, I, ex- I understood why the the logic behind it, but I wasn't trying to hear all that. Right. I need my car shut Your off stress shut level it off. Is... Now stress level went six, seven, eight. I'm like, oh yeah, this car is about to be gone. I just got this car. Mm -hmm. Super Bowl's coming up. I don't even know if it sure is going to cover it. I just like put it, like, I don't know. Thankfully, right? I checked the app. I checked the app. I'm checking the app every three minutes because we're telling the Uber driver to follow, go this way. Like, it was like a movie. Go straight, go straight, go straight. (laughs) Bust the right. It was crazy. Then I come to find out my my tracker had a five-minute delay on it. I'm oh like, oh my God,
4: <laughs> what's going
3: on? Then, we checked the out, don't, we don't see the car moving anymore. My goodness, stopped it, call on, sorry. All right, we, we found out the car, the person who stole the car, stop car, can you, can you shut it off? No, we still need a police report. I was like, please, just please for me, just shut the car off, please. Hmm. All right, and he says, sorry, we don't, we don't even have connection with the car. You know what he told me? He says the tracker has been compromised. I'll never forget those words. Wow. He used the word compromised, meaning they took the damn tracker out the car. Come to find out, this is not a guide to how to steal a a 2016 (laughs) (laughs) Corvette. It's definitely the tutorial. (laughs) But the 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 tracker in this specific model Mm -hmm. for OnStar is in the uh, mirror. Right. Yeah, so all he did was pull that thing off, and that was it, it was disconnected. OnStar, mm. you know how we press the OnStar yeah. button? He took that thing off, and that's how he got the car. All right? Wow! So, so I was scared throughout the process, but then it got so point where I had to get out the Uber. I said, I, "It was so, it was so sad. I'm like, all right, man, we lost the car, Dion. You can just go back home. Mm. That was, that was like, that was the, the tone of it, right? We, we we didn't win this battle. <laughs> we lost, man. I, I'll figure it out, man. You need any more help? No, man. Just just go on. It was like that. Mm. I went and I got to my other car. Got home, rolled up the window and screamed at the top of my lungs. Really? That's how stressful it was. Never mind. I sat back. I see it and, like and yeah, screamed. I don't even see it coming from you, bro. That's the crazy thing about it. Yeah, that's man. not me. Yeah. It got so stressful. I screamed in the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. But then I got reminded. One of my my key, like grounding statements is, "What's God's will in this?" Mm-hmm. That's what I That's what saved me. What's God's will in this? And I, because of my faith, I know that everything I do in my life, God has me set up for a win. Mm-hmm. So whether this is an L or not, it's oh, it's still a setup for the win. So mm-hmm. if I endure till the end of the process, I'll get to see that dove. I'm telling you right now, I saw that dove. But the question is, how did I end up seeing it? This is how, right? Car stolen, I was like, okay, let me file in the claim. For a stolen car, my insurance, they'll pay me out, cool. That's what insurance is for. Mm -hmm. So I call my insurance, they say, okay, file a report, we need a police report. So I got the police report, and they, they tell me, after 20 days, of your car still not coming up, and if it's still missing, then we'll wow. pay it off. So I gotta wait twenty days.
1: Goodness gracious!
3: Right? Mind you, I got that car in anticipation of Super Bowl weekend. Mm. I missed out on three thousand dollars. It's that car that usually gets rented out for just for the weekend. Yeah, it's just a weekend. That yes. car usually goes out for four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, but on Super Bowl weekend, a thousand a day. Mm. Easy. Just wrong for one car. Right, So that Friday, Saturday, Sunday Oh my god, I took an L Luckily I had my Airbnb, my Airbnb I had one Airbnb unit that made $7,000
1: mm.
3: $3,500 a day So I nice. booked it for two days But anyways, and for me it's not about the money um, Anyway, back to the process, the process was this They said 20 days, if the car doesn't show up We'll, we'll pay you the cash value Of the car So even though I paid forty-six, The car, they, they estimated the car To be worth $39,000 Gap
1: insurance,
3: I canceled it like two weeks before. <laughs> I got Gap when I initially signed the documents, right? The dude sold me on it, and oh, I needed hell, it. Hell, I was hell, like, man, hell. why am I paying? Take this out, take this out. <laughs> why am I paying Gap insurance? Man, I don't need no Gap. I, ca- I called him and canceled it. Come to find out I absolutely needed it because I have to pay the difference.
2: Mm.
3: Gap insurance, as you know, Pays the difference between how much you pay for the car and how much the value is. Mm -hmm. In case you.
5: How to raise your credit score by 200 points. Did you know that at one point I had a 558 credit score? And in just a matter of weeks, I had it over 770. Yes, I literally got my credit score increased by over 200 points, and now it's over 800. I'm going to share with you exactly what I did and how you can do it too. Let's go. No way.
3: She can fix that. If you got to get it done or no, you need to do it better. Well, she can fix that. Yes, yeah, you can fix that. Investment to get back, trying to get a big stack. She can fix that. Let's fix that.
5: So when we are talking about credit, we are talking about personal credit scores. Many of you guys may be aware that there are three credit bureaus that report personal credit. You have Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Those three credit bureaus will report all of the trade lines for all of the debts that you've taken out. For example, if you have student loans, if you have credit cards, if you have a car loan, if you have a mortgage, all of those different things will report on your credit report as a trade line. They'll report when you open the account, how much you owe them, what the payments are, how well you pay them and basically all of the information regarding that account. You also want a mix of different accounts. You don't want all credit cards because those are considered revolving accounts. You also don't want just a car loan or a couple car loans because those are installment accounts. You really want a nice mix of the different types of accounts that exist, and you want to make sure that you are paying everybody on time. Those are the main things when it comes to personal credit. So let me get into how you increase that score. So step one, the first thing that you want to do when we're talking about increasing your personal credit scores, you need to know what your credit score is. Now, many times I know you've heard that you can get your credit report absolutely free. You can go to sites like annualcreditreport.com and get a free copy of your credit report annually. However, you will not get your real credit score by getting that free report. You're going to have to pay a little bit of money to actually see what your FICO score is. I'm going to give you a link below to a company called MyFICO.com. I have found that they are an excellent resource for pulling my credit, pulling my students and my other clients' credit, and it's very accurate to what their real FICO scores are. I'm telling you a secret, but I really found that Credit Karma and a couple of the other ones, their scores are not necessarily as accurate as my FICO has been into what some of the lenders are seeing. So if you want to get your credit score and you want to get your credit score up, you got to know where you start. So go ahead and pull that credit report and pay a little bit of money to find out what your credit score is so that we can go from there. So when it comes to personal credit, there is a major problem that many people have already found, and this is one of the things that I found. As I started using a lot of my credit cards, my credit score started to go way down, but I needed to use my personal credit in order to build my business. So I'll take you back. Many of you guys know that I started investing in real estate around 2002, 2003, and I was a complete disaster. I ended up losing everything and ended up back in my parents' basement with multiple foreclosures and bad credit. I was a disaster. But while I was in my parents' basement, I learned something called wholesaling. I learned how to find people with property problems and I learned how to get those properties under contract and then flip those contracts to other investors for a fee. I literally started making five and $10,000 per deal And I was able to get myself out of my parents' basement. The problem is, I still kind of had bad credit. I would pay off some of my debts and I started paying down things and trying to get myself back into position. But I still had a very low credit score because of all of the foreclosures and the bankruptcies that were on my credit report. So, when I was looking to increase my credit score, I had to get creative. One of the things that I did was I got someone to sponsor me. So many of you guys know that you can find someone to put you as an authorized user on their credit cards. I did this and my credit score increased by over a 100 points. I literally was able to ask my dad if he would put me on some of his credit cards I knew he had very good credit, but I knew he wasn't going to, like, co-sign for me or anything like that. So I simply asked if he could put me on his credit cards as an authorized user, especially credit cards that had no balance and a very high credit limit. For example, he had an American Express that had, like, an $8,000 limit or something like that, and he didn't carry a balance on it, meaning he never really used the card. And he had had that card for like seven or eight years. So when he added me to that account, they started reporting that on my personal credit report as an authorized user and my credit score increased. He did that on about five or six of his credit cards. And that was how I was able to get my credit score up 100 points. So that's how you get your first 100 points you need to find a sponsor, you need to find someone with very good personal credit.
2: That plea agreement, what was the threat of of uh, sentence length?
4: Well, given at that time, as you may recall, uh, you had several very high profile white collar crime cases, including the Madoff case. So I was very concerned that if I were to go to trial and lose, which I felt was almost a certainty, that I would be sentenced to 20 to 25 years. That was a very significant likelihood, at least 20, and I wasn't willing to live with that. So you agreed to take
2: the plea agreement, anticipating that you would get 10, and what was your reaction when the judge handed down a, a sentence of, a, of, of much longer than 10?
4: Very disappointed. Uh, you know, my, my attorneys and family were very, very disappointed. I, I wouldn't say I was shocked, uh, because of course, fourteen years is far greater than ten. But and yet, it, when you're involved in these cases, as I soon became involved with in prison on a regular basis, what you find is the amount of years are, are given out by these judges, you know, so so freely and so comfortably by them that it's hardly surprising that uh, I did get the fourteen. And years. how old were you
2: when this when the sentence came down?
4: Forty-seven years old.
2: And you went into the prison system at 47 years old with a 14-year sentence. Where did you
4: begin? I began at FCI Loretto in Pennsylvania, far from home. Uh, that's another question that's often asked of me, why would they send you so far from home? But what you learn in this system is, is I'm sure you, would, you have found yourself. Is that oftentimes it's just by chance that it's, it's wherever a bet is available. There isn't a lot of thought that goes into it. But I began at FCI Loretto, was there for a year and a half until I was camp eligible.
2: And how long did it take you to transfer to the camp from a year after you were there? Did you go right after a year and a half?
4: Uh, I immediately. Uh, that that actually worked out very well. I was processed very quickly. I had a very very. Um, amenable case manager and counselor. That worked out very well.
2: So you started inside of a low security prison in Laredo. Was that right?
4: Laredo, Pennsylvania.
2: And what was the population level there? Was it more than a thousand people?
4: 1,400 inmates.
2: And how was your initial adjustment inside of a low security prison?
4: Very, very good. And the reason why actually is because when the inmates found out that I was an attorney on the outside. I was very busy right away assisting inmates. And that, that happened within the first two weeks. So from, I would say, the two-week period onward, for those, the year and a half, I was literally busy eight to nine hours a day.
2: What kind of practice did you have prior to going to the prison system?
4: a civil litigation and bankruptcy practice, corporate bankruptcy, representing trustees in bankruptcy and and civil, uh, both state and federal litigation. I was a member of the federal trial bar in the Northern District of Illinois for many years.
2: And what was the learning curve to transition from civil litigation and corporate governance to uh, pr- prosecuting uh, habeas corpus petitions, post conviction litigation in prison?
4: It was an adjustment, but surprisingly not significant or as significant as one might expect because the general guidelines for what litigators learn to become a civil litigator apply in the federal context and in the criminal context. So the transition was more or less just studying the federal criminal statutes and that came fairly quickly because again i was so busy right off the bat that i was immersed in these statutes from the first few weeks and uh basically many uh, what you what one learns when they do this kind of work is that much of the work particularly as a jailhouse lawyer and that's what we're called when we're doing the work within the prison is done with a number of forms and you're using these forms repeatedly. So it's something that became very comfortable. for
2: And you're talking about forms primarily 2255s and Bivens actions and that kind of thing, or is there something else?
4: And 2241s, yes.
2: So why don't you help our audience understand the difference between a 2255 and a 2241?
4: Generally speaking, a 2255 uh, habeas petition is used when one is um, contesting the validity of their sentence or conviction, the underlying case, if you will. On the other hand, or by contrast, a 2241 habeas petition is typically pursued by an inmate who has complaints about prison conditions. The most common typically being in my experience, lack of appropriate medical care. That was probably the the single most common issue that I was dealing with in the 2241 context. Although now, as I've been filing of late, uh, in in combination with compassionate release motions, which we could discuss in a minute, the 2241 petition also applies to this COVID issue at present.
2: Why don't you help our audience understand or differentiate between a 2255 petition and a direct appeal?
4: A direct appeal is... Uh...
3: Stole the car because I left my key in the car. Mm. I had a runner and I just unlocked the key because you can't open the door if I lock the key, the door with the app, right. even if the key's inside. Gotcha. So I'll put the key somewhere inside the car and lock it, and when the renter needs to get the car, I'll unlock it. Gotcha. That's how I was operating when I was, I was ever in a rush. Mm. That happened that day, but I forgot to lock it. So that same day, somebody was checking people's cars on the street that day. Mm. Open up a 2016 red Corvette. Oh, the doors open. Oh, and the keys inside. Got him. <laughs> Caught me slipping, right. but it was God's will because at the end of the story. Man, this is a long, this is a pretty long story, but it's crazy. Okay, well you don't got to go through that. that yeah, the emotions the story, but, but yeah. The, the whole point of that Corvette being stolen is one, um, a major point was after the car was stolen, I filed a police report, and when I filed a police report, that I found out that the car wasn't really stolen. They say, well, if you know what the car is, it's not stolen. I'm like, oh really? That's not how it works. Okay, cool. Well, can you guys help me get the car by sending somebody to make sure it's there? I don't want to have to deal with any problems if the people who stole the car are, st- are still hanging around. Mm. Cool. So she they sent—they uh, dispatched the officer to check on the car. She was talking to me crazy. Come get your car. Hung up on me. Right? Your car is here. Go get your car. Talking to me crazy. Mm. Right? Stress level. My stress level is pretty, I'm pretty high tolerance of stress, but as the motions were going on, I'm realizing that, Dang, this is this is this is really stressful. Yeah. But luckily, the car was there. It just had a little rim rash, little scratches on the on the rim. So I called my insurance and let them know. Hey guys, my um, I was with who was I with? My initial um, insurance. Um, who? No, Safe Auto. I was mm-hmm. with Safe Auto at, at, at that point. I called Safe Auto and I told him, yeah. What can we do about this situation? They said, well, your deductible is 500 and your damage is less than 500. So do you really want to put a claim on a car where you're still going to be paying more? I was like, okay, cool. But what can you guys do for me? Well, you have free toast on your plan. Okay, cool, because the car... When I opened the car, the key wasn't inside. Mm. And the anti-theft locked the car, so I can't even do anything. I can't do the remote start. Right, right. So now the car's stuck. I got to get it towed to the dealership to get new keys. So I told them, yeah, at least give me a tow to tow my car over there. So they said, we'll do it. It'll be there in an hour. Mm. Two hours pass. No tow truck. I was like, dang, I got things to do. Mm. So I went back to my office temporarily, right, Ten minutes literally ten minutes later, the car is now moving. I checked to see it go back to the car it now it's now moving yeah. It's going super fast eighty five south towards Camp Creek area. Mm. mind you, the car was in midtown right, so I'm like, okay they I thought my, somebody might say, dummy, why would you leave the car mm. well i I had a like a low, low super low alertness of I didn't have a high level alert on the car being stolen again because I thought it was just some little kids who were just checking cars right. in a high profile car, drove it around the city for a couple minutes, couple, maybe an hour, let the gas go all the way in E and just dropped it off somewhere. Mm. That's, that was what I thought happened. Not come to find out that the people who stole the car were actually probably living in that same apartment in that the, building. That, and once they probably even saw the cops there, and once they saw us leave, yeah. <laughs> right? So, but it's still, even when the car was stolen, I was still wasn't tripping. My, so my stress level had a scale of one to ten. It probably started off as a two. Police officer was giving me a hard time because she thought I stole the car, my own car. Mm-hmm. It's probably like a four at this time. Car got stolen again. Probably at a five, this is when it moved from five to seven, right? The car's moving. I'm on, on like, trying to call the police officers. Right. Call the police officer. Hey, excuse me, my, my car is stolen right now. What can I do? Can you guys help me? She says, where's the car at? It's driving. <laughs> I say, all right, I'll dispatch an officer to where you're at. Guess who the officer was? The same lady? The same lady. <laughs> oh, <laughs> same lady, bro. Same lady, and she was already giving me a hard time, she went off on me.
2: Mm.
3: Why would you let, talking to me crazy, I'm supposed to be the victim. <laughs> and she talking to me like, I'm like, like, like I just did something like heinous right. anyways. I'm not gonna tell you how I responded to her because it wasn't gracious, but long story <laughs> short was They they end up telling me that they can't do nothing about a car that's stolen that's in a different district, Mm -hmm. right? That's why they say zone one, zone two, zone three in Mm -hmm. Atlanta. They have zones that they 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 take care of, like Fulton. Mm -hmm. They they only can do things that if so. The car is in Savannah. Only the officers in Savannah can help. Right. So I'm seeing where the car is. So I call whatever whatever area I forgot was.